when you get big, the overhead grows. And so the, the need for the river widens. But we too can easily close it down and shut it down, or I should say, narrow it. And we'd still be doing well, because really, as healthcare providers, all we need to do is focus on providing great health and wellness advice and treatment modalities. Welcome to Inside Reproductive Health, the shop talk of the fertility field. Here you'll hear authentic and unscripted conversations about practice management, patient relations, and business development from the most forward-thinking experts in our field. Now here's the founder of Fertility Bridge and the host of Inside Reproductive Health, Griffin Jones. I'm with Robert Kiltz. Dr. Kiltz is the founder and CEO of CNY Fertility Center with four locations in New York State and one in Atlanta. Dr. Kiltz completed his fellowship at UCLA and practiced full-time REI at Alta Bates IVF program while on the clinical faculty at UCSF. In 1995, like all Southern Californians, they picked up and located to central New York and upstate New York, where he began the area's first IVF program. He's a man and a physician not afraid to take on a challenging case and launch a new model, which we're going to talk about today. I'm really excited to speak with Dr. Kiltz about that. Dr. Kiltz, welcome to the program. Griffin, I really appreciate you asking me to come on and have this conversation. This is really important. And what you're doing, I must give you excessive and high accolades. So I'm excited to talk to you about this particular topic, which is who's really responsible for lowering the cost of fertility treatment. And the reason why I thought of you is because a few years ago, you and I were on Capitol Hill and we were advocating for, among other things, expanded coverage for fertility treatment. And you made a remark to me that stuck with me. So if I'm paraphrasing, go ahead and correct me. But it was something to the effect of there's a lot of people here and we're talking about uh, having insurance be mandated to have coverage, but there's a lot of other ways to lower costs and there's a lot of other ways that people could be doing. I think you were hinting at providers. And I remember that that stuck with me, that you had you know, a different sort of message for lowering cost of treatment. So the question is? The question is, who's really responsible for lowering cost of of IVF because I feel like, you know, maybe this is, this speaks to healthcare in general, but it, it seems like nobody feels that they're the ones making the money in healthcare. So it's the insurance company's device, it's pharma, but who's really responsible for lowering the cost of IVF? Well, I certainly years of being a reproductive endocrinologist and fertility specialist over nearly 30 years, actually. And, and um, I do recall the, the experience on Capitol Hill where we were there shouting and asking people, do something, do something, do something. And I've always had a motto in life, and I think I forgot it for a moment back then, is that there are three people in life. There are the doers, the watchers, and the complainers. And I realized at the time, there's only one person that can make it more affordable, and that was me. And each of us individually must take on the thing that we think is the most valuable in life. And for me, families, children is powerful and it is our foundation. And there is so much pain and heartache in this world over infertility. And the fact that 
we as fertility doctors are responsible. I went into medicine to be a doctor to help people. Not that making money wasn't important, but it wasn't the reason I went into medicine and fertility. And so I learned at that moment that we're asking other people to take responsibility, but it's not theirs, it's ours. Or actually maybe it's all of ours, but if it doesn't start with the individual, and I realized the only way to make it affordable was to make it affordable. Now, I would say more affordable because fertility treatment in general is more expensive than many things. But if you look at the cost of medicine in general, it's overpriced and inaccessible to so many people. And the argument has often been for the rest of healthcare has been, well, it's because, you know, there's, there's Medicaid here or there's insurance here. If it were more out of pocket, if it were more market driven, the cost would go down. But IVF seems to be a case study where it is mostly out of pocket. It doesn't seem like the cost is really going down compared to other aspects of consumer behavior, which is a, a, a flat screen TV doesn't cost anywhere near where it did 10 years ago. A cell phone doesn't cost anywhere near where it did 10 years ago, but the price of IVF keeps going up. Why? The reason I think is a supply and demand. In general, there, there's a shortage of reproductive endocrinologists and fertility specialists. There was a purposeful reduction in the number of REIs who were graduating maybe 15, 20 years ago. There's no rush to train or grow the training programs. And there's little incentive to train others. Uh, and I, I called it a little bit like a $100 bottle of wine. Um, only some people can afford it. Most people can't. So it's limited in who can afford to use it. But get back to the basics. Everyone needs fertility services because it doesn't discriminate against uh, income, uh, uh, race, or, or anything. Socioeconomic status, as we like to sort of define it. So it really is a supply and demand. There aren't a lot of reproductive endocrinologists. The field is only 40 years young. And so I think that the market forces are entering into the scene a little bit more as we're seeing sort of the consolidation and the profitability. There are going to be others like myself who just say, listen, I came to this market, to this business to help people and be busy as a fertility doctor, not just pick and choose the few cases and those that can afford it but really open our arms to be affordable, accessible, but still maintain a high quality and access. If we can train physician assistants, nurse practitioners, and maybe others uh, in the world of fertility, it might be helpful. I know so many people that are going into nurse practitioning and physician assistant programs. That's maybe an area that we can grow on and teach them how to care for more fertility issues. In addition, fertility issues are not just related to IVF, but it seems that's where we're really pushing more and more people to. And we're forgetting about a little bit more basic approach to natural, reduce inflammation, reduce stress, work on integrative approaches of Eastern medicine, Western medicine, which I'm working to share and help bring more people into that. So I think ultimately to keep the answer is supply and demand. We've got to increase the supply and the access 
to fertility specialists to, I think, breed down the, the price. So one way to increase supply is to have more PAs and more NPs involved in treatment. Is that a band-aid until we have more REIs in the field? Or do you think that's part of a long-term comprehensive solution? Is more NPs and more PAs support what REIs do and then have REIs guiding them as teams is it that or is it having more reis in the field or is it both well if we can train more specialists but training specialists is very expensive so my sense is is that if we can train more nps pas and maybe even more obgyns to teach them more about general fertility but a lot of what we've done is managed to help those those uh couples and individuals get some of the care with their primary OBGYNs, where they, they can then be, be sort of the hub and spoke approach, where the IVF lab uh, is really the more expensive component. But in essence, by increasing the volume, we're able to reduce the cost in, in much of this. Now, not to say that you want high volume and low low care, you, you still need to be able to supply a really good, high quality approach to this. But uh, I think we can work on uh, more streamlined ideas. And because really when it comes to ovulation induction and monitoring, it, it's, it's not as difficult as people make it out to be. And we sometimes micromanage. And I think we can help many more by coming up with some uh, some treatment protocols that make it easier for others to be trained and follow that in ovulation induction and, and whether it's IUI or IVF or even helping people with intercourse cycles. We're seeing tremendous a number of increases in success with ketogenic diet, with uh, anti-inflammatory approaches and slowing down. Well, wouldn't some people say that that's sort of circumventing the idea of fellowship training, that if you have, if you have different people training OBGYNs, NPs, PAs, that it, that's essentially sort of saying, well, this as a subspecialty, as a fellowship training isn't necessary because the people that already are trained in fellowship are able to, to train the other people. Is it, is it circumventing fellowship? Well, I, I, I still think the fellowship training is excellent, but I, I'm seeing so many fellows that come out of fellowship with very little IVF or infertility experience. Many have not done but a handful of retrievals, little to no transfers. And so I think we just need to help do more training at a grassroots level because really you know, why should IVF be twenty to $30,000? I mean, very few people can afford that. The, the four to $5,000 range makes a lot more sense. There's still plenty of profitability uh, for, for a good living, but we can help many more. Uh, if you look at around the world, the costs are lower, the volume is higher, uh, outcomes are about the same in my opinion, uh, so we just have to begin to think of ways to help more providers learn more about general fertility treatment and how to make IVF lower costs. 
Why do you think more people don't try that model? And some people do. You're not the only one using this model. I just think that you've been doing it for a long time. You've also added more to it and you've been really successful in proving it. So there, there are some other people doing it in the country, but there's not a lot. Why, why do you think that is? You know, once you make a lot of money, it's kind of nice. And once you have that model of higher cost and, and higher, higher pricing, higher cost, it's more difficult to shift it down. When I started in Syracuse 20 plus years ago, I started at $2,000 for an IVF cycle and I was profitable and we were growing. And so I just think that it, it we have to have the mindset that that's what we really want to do. And I think because of we're seeing a lot of consolidation, you know, a lot of investment markets are coming into this arena, which is maybe keeping the prices higher, but we're going to see more independence going out and saying, hey, I want to start my own shop. And in order to do that, I want to come in at this price. And if someone across the street starts doing it, it's the same of all other businesses in this world and in America. There's the natural competitive marketplace. There's plenty of business. Again, 85% of those with infertility don't have access to the coverage or affordability for fertility care. And that's not just IVF, but it may be surgical procedures. It may be IUI. It may be many medicines to help reduce inflammation because I'm dealing a, a lot with this. Um, so, you know, maybe it's three to five more years, but I'm already hearing some that's saying we're going to lower our prices in order to make this happen. So as we talk more about it, there's a, if you haven't read Blue Ocean, and I can't remember the whole book, but it's, it's about business and really Blue Ocean, Blue Sky, there's an expanse of infinite number of possibilities and business opportunities. But when we think in a very reductive way of thinking, and, and that's much of medicine because we're trained to be doctors, we don't know much about the business of medicine. And so as we all learn to get into the environment of the business of medicine, and I think the fact that, that most insurance doesn't cover it allows us to be much more competitive. I would like to see some of the insurance companies, United Healthcare, Optum, open up to see that there are providers that do it for a lower cost with the same success, such as in New York, but even around the country and the world, they can open up and make fertility treatments a lot more accessible and affordable to more people. Do you think part of the reason why you were, even if it's not why you're doing it now or how you're doing it now, but how you started is given the location, people always ask me, they're like, how can, how can he do that? How, how is he able to do that? And sometimes they wonder about location. You're from upstate New York. I'm from upstate New York it's cheaper here. Everything's cheaper. You want that seven bedroom house? That's a lot cheaper in upstate New York than it is in Austin, Texas, or in Southern California or in Seattle. Is the loca does location have anything to do with the how? How does McDonald's exist in Manhattan? More volume. There are plenty of businesses everywhere in this world that are in locations that you and I think, oh my God, how do they do it? They go and they do work. When you do work, the possibilities are infinite. But when you're automatically thinking this can't be done, I don't know how it's going to be done, uh, then that's what's going to happen. But I never thought that when I came in to do this. And I realized because of this technology, 
and you know people talk about telemedicine and the opportunity that people are traveling for medical care all day long for many other specialties i mean 60 percent of our patients come for greater than five hour drive or flying and they come from around the world and they come not only because of price that might get them in the door but they're realizing that we're much more open to non-traditional okay so i'm going to say traditional philosophy of massage, acupuncture, herbs, human growth hormone, immunology, uh, surgical approaches. So because of that, I think this is how we've done it. And it's not just me. I have four other docs. I have eight nurse practitioners, PAs. I have about 270 staff. So I kind of make it like I do it alone, but there's no way. But I think it's our thinking when we can be more inspiring to our patients because in general medicine and especially infertility we we sometimes tend to be a little negative nellies oh that's not going to work oh my god you better do donor eggs or or boy that's too expensive and we can be very prejudicial against other medical conditions previous failures size um and i'm hopeful that we can all begin to change our ways Realize that ultimately building a family is a basic approach for everyone, not just those that can afford it. Because, you know, nature didn't say when you can afford to have children, then we'll give you children. Because life gives us things and then we're meant to go out and do the work uh, through the challenges and the troubles that naturally happen for all of us. The, one of the things there's not a right time to have a child one of the things you brought up was you know part of the things that make uh, or that might make fertility treatment more expensive is the venture capital the money from other sources but you know wh when i say you've proven the model is because of what you just said you've got 60 percent of your patients or more coming from or coming from a five hour or greater drive People can look on, at the CDC numbers and the SART numbers and see the volume you're doing. And if they didn't know where you were, they would think that you're right in Manhattan, given the volume that you're doing. I mean, central New York is not a densely populated place. And you have people coming from all of, to me, that's proving the model based on the volume that you do and how long that you've done it for. So either have people approached you and say, there's obviously a need for this. Let's let, let's put some private equity in here and take this to scale. Or have you thought, you know, maybe I should knock on a couple of doors in Wall Street, get some private equity and really take this to market? I've looked. I've had the conversation. It's a difficult choice and idea because the most important part is that you want to make sure whoever's coming into this has the same philosophy and belief. That's the critical part. And, and uh, so I don't know that answer. It's all, you know, I'm 62, my, I feel 22. I'm energized to enjoy this. I can't imagine going and doing anything in the day other than doing this. Um, and so there is that possibility that someone will come into the market or we might partner with someone to help make it more accessible and affordable for more because there is a, a huge number that can use the help in this country for sure. And so we're looking at it, having the conversations and being open to the possibility for sure. 
what about the the response that if price is low, then that must mean that quality suffers. That must mean that IVF success rates are low as well. I was trained as a physician and my job is quality care, individualizing the approach, irrespective of what money comes into the tillers. All right. And so we see people that can't afford to pay right now, need longer payment plans. I mean, we do 100% payment plans. That has helped, but the, the um, and I think I'm, I'm losing the question. Maybe you could review that one more time. I apologize. Well, My if, brain was going over here. Mercedes is high price, which means it must be high quality. If does low price have to equal low quality or does it, or low success you know, I, would be the criticism I, I, that many would have. I don't believe it. Uh, anyone can say anything they want. But I think that uh, if our human beings focus on the quality of care and the people in front of us, you're going to get it. And you can't skimp when it comes to the IVF lab and, and we're inspected. And, you know, we have very decent SART numbers and CDC numbers without cherry picking. We do very little PGS. So we do a lot of day three, day five untested embryos. Uh, that's what people want. But I would say that people may say and think whatever they want. They just need to experience it. And I bet and believe that most physicians, providers, nurses, laboratory people, everyone at every end of this process through CMI Fertility believes in the mission. Affordability can still equal high quality care and outcomes. Our producer, Stephanie, found this that uh, it was just somewhere online, and maybe it's true, maybe it's not, but it, was, it said that the average REI in the United States takes home $333,000 a year. Now, I'm actually not, uh, or I actually am an apologist for, for people being able to, to make money. I see the same thing that you buy in demand. There's 1,100 board certified fertility specialists in the country. It's really hard. It's four years undergrad, four years of medical school, four years of residency, three years of fellowship, followed by some of the toughest boards in medicine period. And uh, it's, there's a lot of science and technology behind it that are really expensive. Should REIs not be able to make I don't think that you're saying that, but, you know, but I think it is a criticism that people have. There's no guarantee of making money for anyone. Life is not a guarantee. You do this you're going to make a lot of money. This isn't a socialist country. It's a capitalist, open market systems. Some people make this much money. Some people make that much money. Some REIs go bankrupt. Some like, you know, it's the heaven. You know, you, 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 what is it? You, you aim for the moon, you hit the stars concept. And, and so I didn't go into this to make a lot of money. In actuality, I thought if I made $200,000, I was going to be a happy camper. And money doesn't make you happy anyway. Uh, getting up and enjoying what you do matters. And so, I mean, I know REIs that make 10 times that amount and those that make less than that. But, you know, $333,000 a year is like is the top tier of money in America, for sure. The majority of people don't make anywhere near that. So I'm not sure why that isn't considered a lot of money. But at the end of the day, there are no promises in life, just opportunities for each of us to create what we wish and desire to do. They're going to be, there's going to be a lot of trouble on the way. And the trouble is part of the, I call it the treasures of creativity. If one thing isn't working, 
go and do and try something else. If you're not a busy fertility doctor and you want to go out and risk a lot, you know, because this is risky. I owe a lot of money. Then every day we need to go go out and and keep sharing and creating because when you get big, the overhead grows and so the the need for the river widens. But we too can easily close it down and shut it down, or I should say narrow it, and we'd still be doing well because really as healthcare providers, all we need to do is focus on providing great health and wellness advice and treatment modalities. And I believe the money in general can and will come, but there are a lot of challenging market forces going on. I mean, the entry cost to build an IVF lab is huge. I'm working on opening up my IVF lab in Buffalo. And so we're, we're, we're capitalizing that we're growing it. And so that's, you know, all stuff that we have to look at as entrepreneurs. So, you know, the hat of the, of the entrepreneur and the hat of the physician, they come together. And so that's stuff that I focus on, but I enjoy both of those. A lot of doctors just want to practice medicine, but I think a lot of doctors that went into this are very creative, artistic, and they like to do it their way. So I think we're going to see some more individual programs and people going out there to do something very similar. To me, it seems exactly like is what happened with craft breweries and regional banks, right? Like in the case of breweries, it seemed like 15 years ago, there was only going to be one beer company because you had Coors, you had Miller, you had Anheuser-Busch. Anheuser-Busch gets bought out by InBev, which is a global conglomerate. South Africa Brewing buys Miller and then they buy Coors. So it seems like, okay, we've got two beer companies for everybody, but then... Yingling starts to grow, Sam Adams starts to grow, and people go off and start their own microbreweries. I think we're seeing the same thing in our field, no? We're seeing consolidation, middle guys are being bought up by big guys and gals, and then some people are going off and starting their own practices because of exactly what you said. They just want to do it their way. And that's the, the joy of life, is going out and creating it your way. My way is not the the right way. It's just the way we've done it. And so I think uh, I'm practicing more and more not to criticize, which is obviously a human challenge, not to criticize, not to judge, but to be open to all different ideas and ways. Gee, what are they doing? What are they doing? How can I pick and choose all these little pieces of the puzzle? And this is how art opens up. And you're right coffee houses you know all these little coffee houses people roasting i you know if, if you come to my rochester office we have the fertile grounds cafe i was working on starting to do roasting of coffee and so i've been working on that so we sell coffee there we we're doing a lot about the ketogenic diet and so i've been opening up to how to bring in ketogenic menus and lifestyle and we have yoga and acupuncture massage we're now talking about cbd oil cannabinoid oil and and it's kind of crazy stuff and where are the studies who's doing what you know you have to have evidence-based medicine and i think when we're looking at guys are like they're not going to work for starbucks or or to budweiser they're just saying you know what i want to do something unique and different and look at ge the price of shares is dropping and and we're gonna we got all these new apps it's not just facebook anymore so I think we're going to see the, the, the fertility world opening up and being more creative. 
but some some individuals need to be willing to go to the bank and borrow something. And whether it's a, a venture capital company uh, or it's your own local bank, and I got plenty of little local banks that are still working the, the entrepreneurial world of helping people. And we see people from around the globe, and that's the beauty of this environment. We can share on FaceTime, Twitter, Instagram, and, and, and YouTube our energy and one percent of a billion is better than 50 percent of the 300,000 in Syracuse so as I began to think outside the local box sort of realizing that there are so many different ways to do this um, we do our own fertile financing uh, everyone is financed we don't check credit it's like everyone is capable we are working with pharmacies and going out there and saying, okay, here's the pricing we need. Can you meet it or can you beat it? So it's like Walmart. Walmart went to all the vendors and said, okay, here's the pricing we need. We've got all these, these locations. You want our business? This is what you have to meet. So and the same thing goes with other vendors, other between our medicines and our hardware and our software uh, all of it. We've got to do much better on on going out there and just putting offering out there. Here's what we do. Here are the numbers. We've been growing about 30% every single year. And my bet is we're growing the market because the people that can't afford 30,000 aren't going to those people anyway. So we are actually incentivizing those local REs to do the monitoring, even at a, a rate that that, that they do anyway, or a little lower, they're either going to get those clients for themselves eventually, or they're just going to help build the market and build that, hey, did you, I went and got my monitoring with that doctor. They were really wonderful or that practice. And the more we sort of grow the energy and the excitement of helping more people, we're going to build the markets for everyone. It's almost... It's not easier, but it's it's a clear example when you're an REI as a provider and said you can just show this is what I've done as an as an REI. I've proven the model. How do you also then say to pharmaceutical companies or device manufacturers or anyone else involved? Listen, I've lowered my rates, and this is what I expect. Are, are you able to do that? Who else is responsible for lowering the cost? Well no one's really responsible in the sense that, boy, you, you need to come to the plate and do this. But there's a responsiveness because they're seeing the amount of business that's coming through CMY fertility centers around the country. Uh, by the way, we do have a satellite office in Montreal, Canada also with Dr. Fruki. But we're also, because we put it out there, they're coming to us because they know that we're growing the marketplace. And like anything else, if, you know, margins can go down if volumes go up, you know, low volume, high cost. So you could buy a screaming needle, go bottle of wine, but not many people are buying it. But you could go down to, to buy a local uh, winery in the Finger Lakes and you're getting a, a great value for a lower cost and they can sell a lot more at that. So it's really in essence, supply and demand, and we're increasing the supply of the opportunities for fertility treatment 
because we've created a very efficient team. We have 10 to 15 embryologists. We have docs at each location that are doing the retrievals and transfers. Plus, we have practitioners that are helping and a full nursing, I call it the global team, where they're talking to clients from around the country and the globe, helping them make sure that they've had their testing, they're appropriately have instructions and know what they're doing to give them the opportunities to move into IVF or donor eggs uh, or a gestational carrier. Uh, we, it's just, there's so many different ways to do this. And so we simply have to, we're growing the box, but then we got to like maybe get into a new box in order to learn how to do it. And I invite clinicians to call me, to come visit, we're hiding nothing. I've always been an open door to share the ideas. This isn't proprietary. These ideas are really open and out there. And the more I've shared them, the more amazing things grow for all of us. I think it's the way how most change happens. When they see a successful model, it's easier for people to wrap their heads around. And eventually that model becomes the standard. And I knew you were the guy to interview to talk about that. Dr. Kiltz, is there any other thought that you'd want to conclude with about who's responsible for making fertility treatment more affordable and accessible? I think we've spoken a lot of good ideas, and I'm really grateful. I think, like anything else, when we realize that all the responsibilities for, fall to ourselves individually for whatever change we want to see happen, we need to be the one that are part of the change first. And there was a great sort of story of entrepreneur that was having challenges with his business and, and, and he needed to write a great, great uh, speech to inspire his team. He didn't know quite how to do it. His little son was, was bugging him. So he didn't have time to take care of his son and write the story. So he took a, a, picture of, of the world and he tore it up and then said, here, son, put this together and, and thought he'd take him some time. And like two minutes later, the kid knocked on the door and he's like, oh my God, how did that happen? And well, dad, on the other side was the picture of a man. If I put the man together first, the world would be right. And so he was able to put the picture of the man because you know what's a man look like, turn it over and voila. And I think that when each of us work on ourselves in this process of this human amazing journey, that's usually the better. So I've, again, I've always been, and I continue to be inspired by your energy, your creativity. And um, I'm really grateful that, that uh, you asked me to, to be part of this. We're happy to have you on. And Dr. Kiltz, thank you so much for coming on the program. Griffin, uh, a pleasure, and I look forward to uh, many more to come. God bless you. You've been listening to the Inside Reproductive Health Podcast with Griffin Jones. If you have a strong opinion about today's episode, we want to hear it. Agree, disagree, or have another point to add, please email podcast at fertilitybridge.com and tell us if you recommend a guest or a topic for a future episode. If you're ready to skyrocket your fertility practices growth and double your IVF cycles, schedule your fertility marketing discovery call by clicking the link in the show notes. And if you just want to learn more tactics to market your fertility center, download our free ebook, The Ultimate Guide to Fertility Marketing on fertilitybridge.com, also available in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the Inside Reproductive Health Podcast, and we look forward to talking more fertility shop on future episodes.